So hello and welcome today to another one of our Dental Business Transaction Podcasts and I have enormous pleasure in inviting Richard Howarth to talk to me about the Dental Mavericks. The Dental Mavericks is a charity and Richard is going to tell me all about it in the next 20 minutes or so. Uh, But before we start Richard, tell me a little bit first of all, how did we first meet and a bit about your background? Okay, so um, the first meeting was actually through through Abby, and um, basically I, I used to be a practice owner, and um, probably over the last sort of five years or so, I've been gradually working the practice up to to the point of sale, and Abby's been in a few times to value it, and then ultimately helped me steer through the uh, uh, rocky and waters of practice sale it's like the grand national isn't it richard yeah yeah it, well, it's definitely it's definitely a roller coaster with with highs and lows and as many of each um and uh with abby's guidance we got the practice sale through um just before covid crisis sort of took off so i have to say i breathe a massive sigh of relief because i think i would have been a lot more stressed having to keep the practice going through that sort of period of time. You're very happy, obviously, with the choice that, that you made yeah. and then we helped steer you towards. So it was a good result yeah. in the end for you, wasn't yeah. it? It was a super, super result. But I'm really loving being just the dentist and just being really patient-centric. Um, tell me about, because I, I hear from Abby that you are a, a very keen designer. You have oh, designed yeah. a product. So let's hear <laughs> about this first. OK, well, so, so what happened was, um, obviously, when COVID sort of hit... Um, uh, I'm going back in time. So this is very early on in my career. I was a hospital dentist. So I was a, um, a junior, um, uh, junior well, as they call you, junior doctor, though, dentist. And um, and one of the clinics that I was involved in, uh, in running was um, a HIV clinic. Um, so this is sort of um, late 80s. So at this stage, I suppose we knew as much about HIV as we did about coronavirus at the beginning. It was one of those where we were really frightened of it. And I remember um, I had to be, you know, fully gowned. Uh, We had to wear foot coverings, head coverings, um, double gloved, um, mask, visor um, to do simple dentistry on on these poor people, which... um, and I remember how uncomfortable that was for me, but I equally remember how intimidating that was for um, the patients. You know, I, I really did feel very sorry for them, although they were obviously getting the dental treatment that they needed. It was in a very alien environment. One, it ha- you know, they had to come to hospital for the treatment, and two, you know, um, we were re- we were really looked like you know we were petrified of them the way we were all gowned up. Um, and I thought, God, if I've got to go back and do dentistry, I just, I, you know, I just don't fancy being, you know, gowned up in the same way or certainly wearing visors in the same way. And I was also concerned about the visors sort of coming from your top of your head down versus, you know, in a different way. And, you know, I think I'm right. I'm, you know, I'm going to be wearing a mask. That's probably going to be an FFP3. I've got to wear my lubes or my glasses. And then I'm going to have something else on my hair. This is just like, how do I manage all of this? And yeah. um, I was out in the garden in actual fact, because as you remember, we started off with this really beautiful weather, didn't we? And I was out strimming and uh, I'd got like a, uh, my sort of face guard on. And I thought, hang on a minute. What happens if I hang this around my neck rather than put it on my head? 
And that's exactly what I did. I sort of turned the visor upside down and I sort of came up with this sort of prototype here, which is basically a vi upside down visor. So rather than that way round, you wear it, you wear it that way round, round your neck. And um, so I went from uh, making it out of bits of cardboard and string and trying it out on the kids and the wife and to actually going into injection molding, design, manufacture, uh, patents, uh, registered design. So it was a, you know, it was, it was, it Exhaustive. really did. Yeah, it was, it was exciting in one sense because it was so different from what I'd been doing before. Um, and then um, we launched it with the dental profession and we've been selling it, you know, to dentists who want something slightly different, but it gives you protection from your chest up so that nothing really comes up underneath it. Well, that's remarkable and, and well done you for designing something like that. And, and, you know, what a great time for it now. Yeah. Ever more so. And what about other interests outside of obviously your dentistry, your design? Um, and we'll get on shortly to the Dental Mavericks, which yeah. is a sort of really key focus today to hear all about it. Anything else you yeah. get time for? Well, um, I've always been a keen in water sports. So a bit like yourself, I enjoy sailing, um, both little boats and big boats. Um, uh, anything to do with the water, really, um, whether it's trying to surf, um, swimming in the sea, uh, fishing, although I don't do very much of that so much nowadays, uh, just usually if I need to pull up a few fish up for, for a barbecue or something like that. Um, I've really got in, back into gardening in a big way. I'm sort of uh, rewilding my garden and uh, sort of working towards growing pretty much as much of the food that we need in the garden at the moment. So that's going quite well. I've probably had my most productive year so far um so we'll see how that goes and um and then general sports so i'm always i like to be outside so um i've sort of mountain biked on and off most of my life and um in this sort of last 12 months i've started doing a little bit of road cycling which is probably where we're going with so you're a bit of an action man really aren't you on the quiet yeah, well, i just yeah i just i just <laughs> want to yeah well you're an active person I'm an active person yeah. now, and I think no, well, I think I, I I can't I can't I'm not one of these people just to sit sit down. Mm. I like to I be like doing to pack stuff. Pack life and, out. That's good. Yeah, so exactly. let's talk about the dental mavericks because I had obviously heard about this through other clients, and Abby's told me about it, and that was why really that piqued my interest, and I wanted to talk to you today. Um, I know that obviously um, we've just recently sponsored you for your upcoming event, which you're off on yeah. Wednesday. Is that right? Yeah, down to Cornwall on Wednesday. So tell me about the Dental Mavericks. How did it start? How did you get involved? Well, it started um, through one of the... Um, uh, I, had, I employed a guy called Tony Gedge to help me with the marketing of the practice. Um, probably about 15 years ago, I realised that um, actually being a good dentist wasn't the be all and end all it didn't sort of necessarily bring you lots of clients and realized I had to play you know be a bit smarter with my marketing and I learned a bit and then I employed Tony and we went on a retreat over to Spain where Tony lives <laughs> as you uh, do my, yeah me and my, <laughs> me and Jenny my wife um with a, with about probably a half a dozen dentists and partners and um during that Tony was talking about um, and his wife Callie were talking about the fact that they'd been over to Morocco and they'd been staggered how bad the uh, children's teeth were. They'd been into the Rift Mountains um, in and around Chef Chan. And um, 
I suppose over a bottle or few of Rioja, we got to the point where, well, is there anything we could possibly do? Um, and that ended up with a sort of a, a little foray into the Rift Mountains, um, getting a license to provide some dental treatment in a small school. Um, and we, I think we, we basically carried our own kit with us. So, you know, um, we didn't have any equipment. Um, we literally were doing it in school rooms on school chairs with little tiny kids and probably treated um, about 50 or 60 kids on, on that first visit. It very quickly went, I think I think at first they thought we were just going to be there, you know, fly in, fly out, would never come back again. And the fact we just kept on going back and back and back and back. Um, and it, it grew from there. So we gradually got more volunteers wanted to go out there. Um, we ended up um, obviously getting a load of, load, of, load of kit together, which initially we stored in southern Spain and then transported into Morocco. Um, gradually, we then built up our contacts with the health authority in Morocco. We've got storage in Morocco and it's managed in Morocco. We've now actually got a permanent clinic in Morocco in Chef Chown, um, although uh, at the moment we can't run that because of the COVID restrictions in Morocco. So we've got quite a lot going on in Morocco. Um, on the back of that, we were invited by another NGO to go and help out in the Syrian refugee camps in Greece. So um, we've still got those contacts going um, um, and hopefully, you know, we can, we're, uh, we're more on the recruiting side of things. So we sort of help to find the people who will volunteer to go into those camps now. But I've been out there and I can tell you, uh, we went out one November and I always thought Greece was a warm country. My God, it was absolutely freezing. I've never, it was like sleety, snowy rain um where we were and um you know these these syrian refugees were walking around in flip-flops or no shoes wow. and it was it was yeah it, it was so different from morocco where it's it we're just treating very impoverished communities here we were treating people who i would say were like you and i they were professionals they were just getting away because they had a family and they just couldn't see any future for the family in syria and they would prepare to go to great lengths to get their family out um, and some of the stories I heard from you know the parents and the, the children that we were treating were just heartbreaking yeah, just, I would imagine ah, you just can't believe it yeah you just, you just can't believe that a country can just tear itself apart in that way and do it so must have had damage. a profound effect on you as well to 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 do this and to be able to pay a part I think the biggest thing that the biggest impact that it had on me was my team used to have to really rein me in when I got home because um, you looked at what we had and what, you know, your, your appreciation. I suppose it's a bit like, um, you know, I think a lot of us had a, have had time to sort of stop and look around and appreciate some of the stuff that we've got and the, the, how important it was that we were socialising and things like that. And it was a bit like that for me. Every time I came home, it was like, oh, my God, you just can't believe how good a service we're offering here. And, and then you get somebody moaning about the fact there was some litter in the car park and I was about to strangle them <laughs> because, you know, it just seemed like this is so unimportant. You know, the fact I haven't clipped, a, you know, the bushes back in the car park for two weeks doesn't matter. 
you know, you're getting amazing dental care. And if you'd only been with me in Morocco and seen how bad the kids were, you just, you wouldn't, you know, sort of thing. And yeah, stop sweating the small stuff. That's right. It yeah. does. It, it polarises what is, what is important and what's not. Um, yeah. And people just, they can lose all focus of what really matters in life um, yeah. and obsess about stuff that is completely irrelevant, really, in the whole scheme of things. So yeah. um, how many of you are in the Dental Mavericks and how often do you try and get overseas? Um, well, in terms of the trustees, there's about, uh, about seven or eight of us, including um, Jill, who's over in New Zealand. Yes. So she brings a, load, a whole crowd over from New Zealand when we get, when we, when we get um, going in Morocco. Um, we've got a permanent clinic in Lebanon as well, which is still running. That's the one thing we have managed to keep going because we've got a field worker out there permanently. Um, and the way we operate out there is that the Lebanese dentists are really struggling for work because I don't know whether you know, but their economy is absolutely bombed. They've got you know inflation, which is at a thousand percent, and you know it's it's just a disaster out there again at the moment. And uh, therefore, nobody can afford the dentistry. Whereas we're sort of going in as an NGO. We've got hard currency U.S. dollars, and we can actually pay the local dentist to treat. And we ha our remit is we go we treat. Um, uh, needy Lebanese um, Syrian refugees and we've also had a although we've come to the end of that we were looking after people who'd had dental injuries following the blast in in Beirut um, and um, of course it's it, it, by employing a lo local dentist to, to provide the services and we just watch the quality um, and uh, you know we've got very detailed reports on you know what's actually being done and who they're doing it to and everything else um then um we we can pro we can provide you know a treatment for a patient for you know well under twenty dollars fifteen dollars you get you know amazing dental treatment sort of thing um, um so our money goes a, a long way um we're probably not going to be um inviting people to volunteer to lebanon it's just just too dangerous in there it's too dangerous yeah um, we're hoping and it's looking like because Morocco's actually doing quite well on the COVID side of things, it's looking like we might be able to start some trips. And we've actually got a provisional trip booked out to um, Morocco in, in September, October time, subject to everything yeah. being all right. Um, so, yeah, the, the, usually we run between um, two and three visits out each year to various areas in Morocco. So we're looking, always looking for volunteer dentists, volunteer dental nurses, and people who want to just do administration for us. So, you know, um, so just, if you're interested in anything like that, you just need to go to dentalmavericks.org. Um, and there's a section there where, the, where you can either donate or you can um, volunteer. And uh, the team will be very, very quickly um, responding and, uh, and looking for your help. Okay, lovely. That's good. And volunteering is a very worthy thing to do, of course, as well. And I think that um, there should be people out there that are keen to get involved in any way that they can, as well as subscribing. Going back to the money side of things, um, typically, if someone was to make, for example, a £50 donation to the charity, what kind of yeah. treatments would that cover? What would you get for that £50 to contribute to the cause? Obviously, £50 would probably, um, if my memory serves me right, would provide all health products for about two schools for a whole year. Wow, that's extraordinary, isn't it? <laughs> you know, with the donations. So, well, let's hope we people give a bit more than 50 quid, but that's, yeah, yeah. that's good to know. So um, 
Now tell me about what other things, because first of all, you're going cycling, yes? Land's End to John yeah. O'Groats, starting yeah. this Wednesday, this, this Thursday, isn't it? You're going? Thursday morning, Right, yeah. okay. In the middle of the storm that's coming yeah, in. Yeah, I know. Just been watching the weather's the rubbish, isn't it? I'm looking out the window now and it's just, <laughs> for the middle of May, it's just, goodness me. How many yeah. of you are going on the cycle ride? Um, it's, it's a guided tour. Um, I decided to do that rather than just organise it myself on the basis that um, with everything going on, it's... I just needed that extra extra support. So there's basically me doing it for Dental Mavericks. Yep. Um, there's uh, uh, there's two of the people I know on the tour who are um, relatively keen cycle tour. They've they've done other cycle tours. Yeah. Um, so I think they sort of got me involved in it. And then there's about another 16 people who I don't know, but I'm sure I will know after 14 days of cycling. How's your cycle fitness? Are you are you ready? Are you as good as you're yeah. ever going to be? I think so. You know, at the end of the day, I've been training hard for 20, 20 plus weeks. Um, I've had a real, um, yeah, I've stuck, stuck at it through thick and thin, um, not knowing whether we were going to go at times mm. in, in uh, terrible weather during the winter. As you all know, yeah, it's know. not been the best of starts weather-wise 2021. Um, so, yeah, I think the answer is physically, I think, think I'm there well I'll never know you know well, when no. have I ever cycled for two weeks <laughs> mentally my brain says look you can do it so, of course you can yeah you know you can so, do it how long yeah. is it do you anticipate it taking you well it's 14 days every day cycling every single day right um a short day is about 65 miles mm -hmm. but short days mean hilly days Right. So there's always a rub. You don't go very far, but you got a lot of this. <laughs> and then um, a, a long day is usually about 80 odd, 80 miles. Right. And, and then we've got one section, which unfortunately due to COVID, because we should have actually started, we should have started on Sunday, but of course with, we had to wait till everything opened up. And um, yeah. so it's been a bit delayed. Yeah. It meant that one of our accommodations um, just didn't work out. And... Um, uh, that means we've got a hundred mile day, Ooh. which is from Moffat mm. through Edinburgh up to Perth. So that is going, you know, I'm um, fingers crossed the wind is going to be behind us that day and it's Good. not going to rain. I think that's what we need. Cause that's and of course be... the pubs will be open, Richard. So you will be able to go inside and have a cleansing ale at the end of a yeah. tough day if that training schedule permits. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I'm not a great big drinker, but maybe the odd, odd, odd pint. Maybe, odd little livener. Keep you going. <laughs> Keep me so, going, yeah. Tell me what other things you've done then for Dental Mavericks, because you've done some pretty uh, exciting things. Okay, so <laughs> um, we've done lot. I've done quite a few mad things over my time. Um, I remember one of my patients saying to me, why don't you do something that would frighten you? And they're going, because we're frightened of coming to the dentist. I said, well, I don't know what you're thinking about. She said, I don't know. I said, well, I'll tell you what I could do. Why don't I write to the aquariums and see whether I can go in with a toothbrush and clean the shark's teeth in one of the aquariums? Yeah. <laughs> so I wrote, wrote to about half a dozen aquariums around the country. The Blue Planet Aquarium in Chester came back to me and said, yeah, no probs. Brilliant. When do you want to do it? So I went up to the, the, uh, the aquarium in Chester and um, chucked on my scuba gear, um, picked up my big yellow toothbrush and... Dropped in the tank. It was a big Not one. Like it was a special custom-made toothbrush, was it, for sharks? Well, it was just... Like a, a toilet you brush. Can get, you, can get like a, you can get these sort of play, 
toothbrushes, oh, which yeah. was about a great big yellow one about this size. So uh, yeah, it was. Oh, so I did that. How did um, it go down, by the way? How how did was, you? Yeah, again, we raised a lot of money, and it was just it was a good, good you know, the, there was a lot of chat and yeah. on social media about it, and it got quite a good yeah. lot of press and made the local papers and all that sort of thing, which Brilliant. was nice. And then. Um, the other thing I've done, again, this was cycling. So um, we cycled into the Sahara Desert. Right. So we had a week cycling. Um, we started um, up in the Atlas Mountains, um, the other side of Uzasat, and then cycled down uh, the Valley of the Roses and then out into the dunes. And um, not that we could cycle in the dunes. I think I had this image that it was all going to be sandy in dunes, but it's not. Yeah. There's areas where the sand's blown. Yes. and stays there and then there's other bits which are just barren where everything's been blown off it so yeah. um, going back to the bike ride how much are you hoping to raise on this particular uh, excursion adventure well uh, my target's five thousand pounds if yep. i can get five thousand pounds that means every mile that i cycle is worth uh, is, is worth five pounds because it's a thousand miles circa a thousand miles from land's end to john O'Groats. it's a bit less if you if you go direct um, and use all the main roads but of course that's never a good thing when you're on a bike so we're wiggling a little bit um, so it's just under a thousand miles from top to toe um, or toe to top in actual fact um, so yeah that that would be great if if every mile i feel like i've raised another five pounds would be amazing so oh, that would be fantastic well to. we'll be following you and tracking you um will you be putting out posts on any kind of social media throughout the journey i know that you've got a link haven't you to your progress yeah. But can yeah, people you go, track you on, um, yeah. what, what, how can they see what you're up to? So there's, there's a couple of different ways. One is if you go to my Virgin Giving account. So um, you can do that by just going to Virgin Giving. We use Virgin Giving because they don't take anything. All the money goes straight to the charity. Um, and if you just type in Richard Howarth or Richard's uh, Land's End to John O'Groat cycle, which is a bit longer, so it might be quicker just to go Virgin Giving, Richard Howarth. I'm, I'm like the first person who comes up and there's a bit there which says cycling from Land's End to John O'Groats. So if cool. you click on that link, that takes you there. That has my Strava. And then my and then the practice, obviously, they're obviously keen to support me. So um, they'll be getting their daily updates at the practice. So it's probably going to be on Smile Styles Facebook nice. and, and Instagram, no doubt. Wonderful. Well, look, it's been fascinating and really enjoyable listening to everything that you get up to. You're certainly a very busy man and you're doing something very, very worthwhile. So I urge everybody listening to please donate and, and please get involved in any way, however small, uh, because everything really matters. It counts. And Richard, thank you for your um, kindness in spending time talking to me today. And um, it's always a pleasure talking to you. And I uh, wish you the very best of luck. I shall be tracking you. Yeah, and um, awesome. let's pick up a chat in, in a, let me know when your next venture is and we look forward to supporting you again in any way we can so oh, have a great time actually. i hope the weather's good for you goodness me uh, we I do think, some aren't we yeah, well uh, i think I'm ho i don't think it's going to be in the first week but there we go you know wind and rain we'll be all right you'll be all right <laughs> you'll be good <laughs> lovely thank you very much take care take care all See the best good luck